Go with me please to uh, Romans, the 8th chapter this morning. Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, even though some translations, manuscripts, don't include that last phrase, that phrase is included in verse 4, so it has a right to be there. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Do you like the sound of that? Has made me free from the law of sin and death. You ought to confess that. Say it out loud. The law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus Jesus has made me free free from the law law of sin and death. death. Now, if you're not used to confessing things like we do, you need to get used to it. Because it's the way Christianity has always operated. A lot of folks have gotten away from it, but it wasn't God who changed. It was men who changed through the centuries. Did you know the Bible said that Jesus is the high priest of our confession? Did you know that? He works with what we say. That we believe in our heart. How do you get born again? Does anybody know that? You believe in your heart. And what else? You confess with your mouth. A lot of Christians know that. But for some reason they think when you get born again, that's it with that operation. No, the same way you get in the kingdom is the way you operate in the kingdom. In everything. You believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth. And that's why we, you will hear us saying so many things. Of course, if you don't believe it, it's not going to have any power in your life. It's just empty talk. But if you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, the Lord gets involved. And there's power in it. So say it again. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus Jesus has made me free free from the law of sin and death. death. You think that's a good thing? That's an exceeding good thing. He said, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now, he keeps talking about sin. Is sin an issue? Is it a big issue? Well, it's the biggest problem humanity's ever had. Oh, but thank God, Jesus has dealt with the sin problem. Sin is a, for one, it's politically incorrect nowadays. In fact, you don't hear the word sin very much, even in churches. Sin has been deemed harsh. And so preferable words have been chosen to replace it like problems. They have a problem that they're working on. And so counseling perhaps is available and... uh, Pray for folks. They, they have an issue. They have a problem. <laughs> well, whatever happened to sin? <laughs> Don't get concerned. The truth will do what for you? It'll make you free. And he said the law couldn't do it. It was weak through the flesh. The law couldn't fix the sin problem. All it could do was make people aware of the sin and that sin was sin. But it didn't enable folks to be free from the sin. What did you just get through quoting more than once? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death is a law. What do you mean a law? Well, just back up to the the 6th chapter 
And the 23rd verse, just across the page in my Bible, 623 says, the wages of sin is death. It's a law. You sin, you die. It's a law. Like the law of gravity. You jump off the house, you don't go up. You never go up. You always, I don't care who you are, how young you are, old you are, big you are, skinny you are, pretty you are, not so pretty, you always go down. Jump off the house, you go down. Every time. It's a law. Well, this is a law. You sin, you die. Isn't that what the Lord warned Adam and Eve? Isn't that what he told them? He said, don't do this. Because if you do, in the day that you do, you will die. And it's the very thing that the devil came and told him and said, no, you won't. Well, if you won't die... And God told you you'd die. What's going on here? He's accusing God of being deceptive. Isn't he? He's the liar. But he's saying that what God told you is not going to happen. But they found out the hard way that it was true. And though they didn't die physically immediately, they did die inside that day. And they were separated from God. They were separated from life. And it took the enemy working in the earth 900 some years to get Adam to die physically. Because we weren't built to die. We weren't made to die. We're supposed to live. And thank God that's going to be fixed. Even this aging thing that we're having to deal with right now has already been fixed. And we're going to receive it soon. We've already received the first part of our redemption. The rest of it includes the changing of our bodies. Thank you, Lord. This body, put your hand on on your body. This body is part of the eternal body of Christ. Did you know that? People say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't like this body. I'm getting rid of this body, and I'm going to get a new body. This junker, no. I know that because of sin and aging and curse, this body can be less than what you want. But don't despise it. God bought and paid for this. This one. And yeah, you can say you're getting a new body, but it's actually this one glorified. And I assure you, When the glory of God gets through with this, you will be completely happy with it. (laughs) But don't despise this and don't mistreat it and don't abuse it. It's bought with a price. God has included it in his eternal plan. It's going to be amazing. When he comes back, when the trumpet sounds, the Bible said the dead in Christ are going to rise. Hallelujah. What does that mean? They're Christians that died at sea. Sharks got their body. They're Christians that died in the desert. The buzzards got them. The animals got them. And that was centuries ago. Where's their body? I assure you, every atom of it's still here. And when the trumpet sounds, it's going to be an amazing thing to see. When the trumpet sounds... From the four corners of the earth. Boom. Back together it's going to come. And the glory of God is going to flow through it. And it's going to be changed and be made like unto Jesus' body that he has right now. It's going to be made just like his glorious body. Hallelujah. And if you had already died and left, you're going to slip back into it like a man puts on his boot. And you're going to go, whoa, I never remember this body being like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a body that can keep up with my spirit now. And it will never again be subject to age or decay or disease. Come on, are you listening? This is not imagination. This is your future, child of God. You know what healing is? Healing is a dab of that. 
In Florida, you know what a dab is. Right? It is a foretaste. It is a first fruit. It is a little measure of the fullness of what we're going to be. If you got enough of healing, the thing that's healing power, that miracle working power, if you got enough of that in your body, it would change it permanently. And one of these days, you will. I will. But until then, we get these foretastes to quicken us, heal us, keep us going till we run our race, finish our course. Can you say amen? amen. He said, back to eight now, and we saw that uh, what the law couldn't do because it was weak through the flesh, the law could never get folks free from sin and death. God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus has once and for all dealt with the sin problem. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The wages of sin is death. Sin, what is it? It is I'm going to give you the phrase and then we'll back up and, and give you some scripture definitions. Sin is violation of light. It's violation of what you see, of what you know. If you want to do a thorough study in this, read these chapters in uh, Romans, just start in Romans 1 and read carefully through to 8. And he talks about sin and righteousness. And he talks about how that through one man, through Adam, sin came into the world. But through one man, Jesus, righteousness has come into the world. And how that the righteousness that has come through Jesus is greater than the sin that came through Adam. Do you believe it? Say it out loud. God is bigger. bigger. Jesus is bigger bigger. than than sin. Do you believe it? The blood of Jesus is far greater than your and my sin. And we need to believe that. I've had people look at me and say, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what I've done. And I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. No matter what you've done, it's not bigger than the blood. Saints, do you believe this? No matter what you've done, I'm not saying what you did was was okay or trivial. But I don't care how horrible or how vile it was, or how cruel. It's not bigger than the blood. Say it out loud, it's not bigger than the blood. My sin is not bigger than the blood. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the spotless Lamb of God. Now, Let's go to uh, 1 John and the uh, third chapter. They'll put these on the screen as well. 1 John 3, 4. 1 John 3, 4 says, Whoever commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression or violation of the law. What the law included the Ten Commandments, as well as other things. One of the commandments said, you shall not lie. Well, if, if you hear you shall not lie, and you know lying is wrong because you heard the commandment, and you lie anyway, that's sin. And it's sin is not imputed, the scripture said, when there is no law, because the law is light, and people not born again without the word could believe anything. They could believe that lying's okay in certain situations especially. They could believe it doesn't really make that much difference. I mean, if you don't believe in God, you can believe in anything or nothing. If you don't believe in God, there are no morals. You say, what? No. It's just what you think or what they think. And that changes daily. What's acceptable, what's unacceptable. Which is why you see any country, any state, any city that believes less and less in God becomes more and more 
immoral. And more and more that everything's okay. Anything's okay. Well, it's whatever you think. But it's not true. There is a standard. Jesus is his name. Hallelujah. The word is the standard. And there is absolute truth that is forever right and unchanging. Aren't you glad you find out about some of these things? And this book, the word of God, the Bible, is truth. You'll never get an update to the Bible. Version 1.3. <laughs> if you do, don't get it. Don't take it. <laughs> the Bible talks about how the, the word has been refined many times. And it's perfect. And God knows the end from the beginning. And that's why it never needs to be updated. Because it was right the first time he said it. <laughs> he knew all the possible uh, things that could come in the future. And people talk about, well, we live in a different generation now. We have to update and change. Oh, no, 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 no. A few little things have changed, but uh, the devil's pretty much the same. And people are pretty much the same. And God is exactly the same. No, no, no. But when you transgress and violate what the word has made you know what is right and wrong, that's sin. Over in the um, fifth chapter and the 17th verse, 517, says all unrighteousness is sin. And then in Romans 14.23, you don't have to turn there, but notice this. Romans 14.23 says, whatever is not of faith is sin. People uh, talk about at length, what is this a sin? Is this not a sin? Well, this group thinks this is a sin. This group has decided this is not a sin. Well, it used to be a sin, <laughs> but it's not a sin anymore. Or it was a sin 50 years ago, but it's an issue now. <laughs> it's a problem, but we won't call it a, the S word, sin. No, sin is not about legalism and somebody's list of do's and don'ts and what this group says is right or wrong or this one says is right or wrong. Notice with me in James. There's a lot of light right here in James. Fourth chapter. James 4 and 17. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knows to do good, to him that what? No. You know something. What is sin? What's the definition I gave you to start with? It's violation. Light is what you see. Light is what you know. To him that knows to do good. And what? So if you know you should be doing it. And you don't do it. You're violating what you know. You know better. Than what you're doing. And to him, it didn't just say it's sin, it said to him, it is sin. To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him, it is sin. Why to him? Why not to everybody? I mean, sin is sin, right? No. Sin is violation of light. And we don't all have the same light. And this is one of the big reasons why the Lord told us not to judge each other. Because I do not know what light you have. And you don't know what light I have. And even though you may be doing something that's contrary to the word. Contrary to what's right. If you don't see it yet. If you don't know it yet. It's not imputed to you. To use the, the technical verse. Why? Because God's fair. He's good. He's just. He knows what you know. He knows what you don't know. And that's why it can seem to be disproportionate. In how things happen. What some people seem to get away with. 
and what others seem not to get away with. And it really begins to make sense when you understand it has to do with the light a person has. What they see, the more light you have, the more the Lord expects out of you. The less light you have, he, the, the more of a baby you are, he knows. He's not unreasonable. He's not going to expect things out of you you haven't seen and known yet. Now it still cause you problem if you're transgressing things but you don't know it even though it's ignorance. But it's not sin. Sin is violation of light. Now here's the problem with sin. We said all that to get to this. John 3, Big John. John 3 and verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he was. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You going to perish? No. Why? Because you believe on him and we have eternal life. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now a lot of times folks quote that but they stop there and the next verses go right with it. Verse 17. For I understand four is connecting what he just said with what he's about. So see, verse 16 is not a stand-alone word. All this is together. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. For God sent not his son into the world to what? To condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Say it out loud. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Friends, you and I are to have nothing to do with the condemnation business. Amen. What does that mean? What is condemnation? Literally, condemnation means to be down and against. And condemnation, these words, from our perspective, are like courtroom words. They're legal terminology. Justified, condemned, judged. Condemned means you've been found guilty. And you're deserving of punishment. After you've been found guilty, what comes next? Sentencing. Right? Being condemned means the trial is over and you've been found, not innocent, you've been found guilty. And if you're guilty, you deserve to be punished. And God did not send his son into the world to find the world guilty. And the good news is not to tell the world they're guilty. <laughs> That's not the good news. <laughs> we're taking baby steps here, but we're getting somewhere. Can you see this? This is very, very big. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about, third chapter, I believe, it talks about that the, the ministry of the law was the ministry of death. But the ministry of righteousness is the ministry of life. If we were pre-cross, before the cross, and we had the law, and I was a priest, my basic job is to let you know what sin is. And that you're guilty of sin. And you need to make the sacrifices. So your sins can be covered. But the whole emphasis is sin, sin, sin. Sin. Lying is sin. Adultery is sin. Stealing is sin. Sin, sin, sin. Do your sacrifices. 
and cover your sin. And then when you come in again, how about your sin? Have you covered your sin? Get your sacrifice. Cover your sin. Because sin is sin. And sin will kill you. (laughs) Did any of that sound familiar to you? (laughs) Now see, that's a problem. (laughs) Because I'm not a priest. And ministers today are not priests under the old covenant. So what is the ministry of righteousness? Which is the ministry of life. It is not to be made more aware of sin. It's to be made more aware of righteousness. And instead of talking about sin all the time. Now you need to know what sin is. And you need to know that it's been dealt with. But the main thing you need to hear is righteous. Righteous, righteous. You've been made righteous. You've been made righteous. Jesus took your sin, was made sin with your sin, and now you've been made righteous with his righteousness. You're righteous, righteous, righteous. You're righteous. You're righteous. And you need to hear it so much until in the middle of your sleep you'll just mumble, I'm righteous. Right? I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. (laughs) And this is not common to the church world. In fact, People will get irritated with folks like me who are going, righteous, righteous, yeah, you look righteous. There is none righteous, no, not one, right, without him. But I'm not without him, I'm in him, I'm in him, I'm in him, and in him, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. If I'm righteous, I'm justified. If I'm justified is a legal term, which is the opposite of condemn. Condemn means, boom, guilty, as charged. What does justified mean? Innocent. Been cleared of all charges, of all wrongdoing. Justified, declared righteous, innocent, undeserving of any punishment. Righteous means a lot of things. One of the things it means is what you got a right to. The righteous have a right to come boldly into the throne room of God with no sense of guilt or shame. Our inferiority. The righteous have a right to be healed. The righteous have a right to be free from all habits and every sin and every bit of junk. The righteous have a right to have all their needs met. The righteous are redeemed from the curse of the law. Which one are you? You're just an old sinner? No, sir. Hoping to be saved by grace? No. Is this what religion teaches? You were an old sinner. You have been saved. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that means something, brother. That means something in heaven. It means something on this earth. It means something. It's not because of what you did. Because of what he did. It's because of what he did. It's because of what he did. If you're more sin conscious. You're going to be. Condemnation conscious. And that's a huge problem. I said that's a big big problem. Keep reading. John 3. And 17, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father are not in the condemnation business. If anybody had a right to judge people as guilty, it's Jesus, the sinless one. Right? He could say, why don't you be like me? 
You know, look, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're guilty. Be ashamed. He didn't. Jesus didn't come into the world to show people how weak and sinful they are. The law did that. I said the law did that. But grace has come through Jesus Christ. You believe it, saints? And what he has come to make us aware of, our freedom from sin in him, our righteousness in him. He didn't come to condemn the world. Now, if Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, then you and I ought not be in the condemnation business. And this is particularly more challenging with your family. People you live with, people you're around all the time, your close friends, your close workers. Well, yeah, they're doing that and they know it's wrong. It's wrong. It's just wrong. And so what's your job? To make them fully aware of how wrong it is. (laughs) To prove to them from the Bible that it's wrong. (laughs) Now why am I saying this? Christians are doing this. They're doing this right and left. And it's not working. It's not working. It's just making people mad. It's running people off. I don't care how glaringly obvious it is that they're wrong and what they're doing is wrong. Who made it your job? Who made it your job to point it out to them? And wonder if in your imperfect state, God sees some glaringly obvious things that you're not doing right. Wonder if. (laughs) He's so kind. How many believe God could put us in the light, the full bright light of his holy perfection? And compare us to Jesus. And point out. Everywhere (laughs) we are so pitifully coming short. And before he was half through, we would go, oh, God, just put me out of my misery. Just please, please, no, no more, no more, no more. He doesn't do that. I said he doesn't do that. Now, he wants you to grow up and develop and become just like the master and become fully grown. But he doesn't do that. We're like little kids that come to you and they took some crayons and they scribbled around all on the thing and they show it to you and you go, oh, baby, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's, it's nowhere near a picture, but hey, it's, it's pretty. And we make an effort. We go, God, how about that? He goes, oh, baby, that's pretty. That's, yes, it's good. <laughs> we feel so good. We go, Yay. <laughs> we feel like we've about arrived you know and he goes there is one thing I want you to look at and he'll show you something you go oh I need to fix that don't I he goes yeah yeah let's fix that and so you work on that and you get that right and you go glory to God I got it I must be about he goes that's, oh that's pretty baby that's pretty there is two other things here that I want us to <laughs> what you don't know is there's 9,000 other things but he's not showing them all to you right now because you can't handle that. Thank you, Lord. But if you're walking in the light that you have, yes. he's not seeing you as sinful and imperfect. The Bible said the blood of his son cleanses us. Amen. That's a cleanse and keeps on cleansing. Present tense cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we're walking in the light of what we know and have. Sit out loud, I am not, not. we are not, not. in the condemnation condemnation business. business. Now let me say this another simple, simple way. You do not want to be a part of making somebody feel bad about themselves and what they've done. That's the devil's business. Even if somebody has done something bad and terrible, you don't want them to be guilty 
and ashamed and shattered. You want them forgiven and cleansed and restored. True or not, saints? You know, when you sense that something is making somebody feel bad and making them feel guilty and ashamed, you do not want to be a part of that. You, if you've been a part of it, stop it. Stop it immediately and switch gears and try to find out how to build them up, how to get them out of this. Because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, did he? Keep reading. Why did he come? But that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is what? Do you believe on him? He that believes on him is not condemned. That sounds like our text in Romans 8. But he that believes not is condemned already. No matter what non-believers say, they are condemned. In their hearts. They do their best. To ignore it, to override it, to act like they don't know and they don't care. But the more sin people get into and the more junk that they do, they despise themselves. They try to act like they don't. But there's a lot of folks around that they really hate themselves. They just see themselves as nothing, as mean and failures and everything else. And we don't want to be a part of confirming that in them. Do we? No. Jesus didn't come to condemn anybody. We want to see them get out of it. And get free from that guilt. Get free from that condemnation. Keep reading. He that believes on him is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already. Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You cannot be free from guiltiness. Without being in Christ and receiving this righteousness. Verse 19, this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now see, this goes along with what we said to you. What is sin? It's violation of light. And that's when the condemnation comes in. Light is come into the world. Men loved Darkness rather than light. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be approved. But he that does truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Now go on over to the 8th chapter here of John. John 8 verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came to the temple. And all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. In other words, they caught her in the act. And how many, let me just get this out of the way. How many know you can't commit adultery by yourself? (laughs) So where's the guy? And when they had set her in the midst, they say to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. In the very act, we caught her in the act of committing adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? What do you say? They're trying to pit him against the law. And get him to publicly say something against the law. So that they can condemn him. This whole deal is a setup. Where's the guy? It's probably one of their buddies. How'd they know where they were? When to come get her? But now let's just stop right here. No child of God letting their heart dominate them could do this. You could not bear this dear woman being drug out in front of people here and humiliated like this. It would bother you. It would hurt your heart. Even if she had done devilish things. She had tempted this man away from his good wife. Even if she had purposely been a home wrecker, home breaker, whatever the case might be, the love of God still does not want to see this woman debased. 
and humiliated. Jesus didn't come to condemn. And you and I are made in his likeness and image. And so we got no desire to condemn. And when we see people are hurting and when they're embarrassed and when they're ashamed, that should bother you. You don't want to see that. Love covers the multitude of sins, doesn't it? You don't want to talk it. You don't want to expose it. Now, if it's sin, you're not going to say it's okay. But at the same time, you don't want them hurting and embarrassed and guilty. You want them forgiven. You want them cleansed. You want them restored. Keep reading. They said it tempting that they might have to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, so initially he didn't answer them. A little bit of time passed while he's writing on the ground. And they're leaning over him going, well, what about it? What about it, preacher? Stoner or don't stoner? You for the law or against the law? See, they thought they had him either way he went. They thought if he says, well, law says stoner, stoner, that then the people are going to lose confidence and go, we thought he was different. He just told them to kill that lady. Or if he says, no, I know the law says it, but don't kill her, they're going to say, look, he's not right. He's against Moses in the law. He can't be right. They think they got him either way. When the devil tries to shove you back in a corner and give you a choice between two wrong things, you know what you need to do? Don't pick. Don't pick. Don't choose. Wait. Put everything on hold. Kneel down. See God and look for option three. Don't move too quick. <laughs> look for option three. And when they continued out, he finally lifted up himself and he said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And then he stooped down and wrote on the ground. He just left them with that. Friend, this is the wisdom of God. Isn't I know it sounds simple. I know we've heard it before. This is profound wisdom. It takes it out of the realm of what are you going to do. Now it's what are you going to do. <laughs> and just like that. Just like the people are looking at Jesus going. Oh, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. And Jesus says, he that's without sin among you, he can throw the first stone. At that time, all the people's attention went, won't to them go, yeah, you better not pick up a rock. I know you. I, you don't you dare pick up a rock. And verse 9, they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience. Now, this is one of the biggest factors we'll be talking about in time to come. How, what is sin? Sin is violation of light. Well, how do you know you got light? Your conscience will let you know. When you violate light, your conscience will bother you. And when it does, you need to make an adjustment quickly. We should be very aware of our conscience and we should make every effort to keep our conscience clear. Do you believe it, saints? Another way of saying that is walking in the light, which is another way of saying walk in the spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Another way of saying that is they walk in the light. They walk with clear conscience. They that heard it being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. They've been around the longest. They've messed up the most. They know. (laughs) And young ones are usually dumber and more proud. So they hung on a little bit longer. But finally they realized, I better not pick up a rock either. And they all left, and Jesus is left alone. Isn't this marvelous that one wise word from God totally defused the situation and saved this woman's life right now? Can you see this? Is this kind of wisdom available to you and I in daily life? It is. If we'll look for it and ask for it. Notice a very important thing. Jesus did not move too quickly. He didn't just hastily 
respond to what they were pushing him about. He purposely just put them on pause. Didn't he? And knelt down. What's he doing when he's writing on the ground? I don't know everything he's doing. I believe for sure he's seeking the Father. He's looking. He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see him do. He's looking to him. What do I say? What do I do? And glory to God, it came up in him plain and clear. You stand up and say this, and then you just kneel right back down. And that wonderful word, the wisdom of God, It changed everything. So Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Keep reading. When Jesus had lifted himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, woman, shame on you. (laughs) Huh? They just drug her out of the bed with another woman's husband. She's a homebreaker. Shame on you. Sinner, homebreaker, heartbreaker. What about their kids? What about that family? What about this? Mm-mm. Why I keep saying that? I want you to treat that phrase like cuss words. Shame on you. I want you to get rid of it. Get it completely out of your vocabulary. You don't say it to your spouse, you don't say it to yourself, you don't say it to your kids, you don't say it to your dog or cat. (laughs) You just don't say these words. (laughs) Why? Because when you say shame on you, what are you trying to do? You are trying to get somebody to feel guilty and ashamed and embarrassed. And that is the ministry of death. It is completely contrary to what the Lord came to do. He did not come to condemn the world. If anybody would have had a right to condemn her, it would have been him. He's never done this. He never would do this. He could have looked at her and said, you know better. Shame on you. He didn't do it. Tell me what he did say. Tell me what he did say. Has no man condemned you? Where's your accusers? I want you to see this picture too. The Bible tells us in Revelation that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. You remember that? And so when you see these guys standing around accusing her, accusing her, accusing Jesus, accusing you, you're seeing the devil working through people. That's him. He's always trying to. He is the originator of shame on you. Look at you. Pitiful excuse for a Christian. That's devil talking. Look at you. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, you should not be. You should be forgiven and cleansed. And you should not be ashamed. You should be aware that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. If you miss it, you repent. But you don't wallow in shame and self-deprecation. It has been preached from the pulpits. You know, I've just failed in so many ways. And I've just come short in so many things. And I know I'm, I'm not... A good example of it. People think that's holy some way. They think that's humility. It is completely ignoring the word of God. No. No. That's measuring yourself. You should already know. You're not enough. Never were. Never will be. But you're not on your own. You're in him. And he's in you. Where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? Verse 11. Picture her. They're on the ground. Probably been crying, shaking. I don't know. She's properly clothed. They drug her right out of bed. Publicly humiliated. She thought just a minute ago she's about to die. Because she knows this bunch. They will kill you. Right? (laughs) Religious people are the meanest people on earth. Did you know it? They are. 
they will absolutely kill you and then give your relative scriptures why it was okay. <laughs> that they did. <laughs> Has no man condemned you? Jesus did not give her a real hard talk. Shame on you. No. He said, neither do I condemn you. wonder what those words meant to her. Put yourself in her place. What did those words mean to her? The most holy, the most perfect, the most righteous is looking at you in love. Go and sin no more. Now, he didn't say sin is not an issue. He didn't say you didn't sin. He didn't say the sin doesn't matter. That's why he's there. He's about to go to the cross and pay the terrible price. To minimize sin is to minimize what he did. To take care of the sin. Sin is a very, very big problem. Oh, but there's something bigger than the sin. I said, there's something bigger than the sin. And he said, neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you either. Just go and don't do it anymore. Don't sin anymore. But don't be condemned either. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. You don't have to be guilty. You don't have to be ashamed. Quit doing it. Don't do it anymore. But don't be guilty either. Don't be ashamed. Be washed. Be clean. Be restored. Be righteous. Hallelujah. By the blood of the Lamb. Stand on your feet, everybody. Let's lift up our hands. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.